Thank you for listening to the Family Life Podcast. For more great content, visit thefamilylife.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message and will be encouraged to share it with someone you know. The book of Colossians, the third chapter. Now, uh, we have the young adults in here today. I've asked for the young adults to come in here with us. Sometime back, I felt uh, a nudge of the Lord to begin to talk about something, and um, I've, I felt a, uh, that the Lord wanted me to wait in, in speaking about this. And this past week, I, I've, in prayer and coming up to it, I felt like that this was the moment that the Lord wanted me to begin to talk about these things. And, and it's going to be a little different as to, as to the title, and, and you'll understand it as I begin to speak here. But I wanted the young adults to be in here, and of course the youth and the children are out. But I wanted us to understand this particular thought um, because I believe it to be important. I believe it to be something that needs to be looked at. And I'm going to be talking to you this week and next week for sure in regards to uh, defining discontent. Uh, defining discontent. And so as, as we look at this, and, and we'll start in it today, we'll, we'll wade into the shallow end, if you would. And, and uh, we'll just try to find our footing and help us to understand some things about defining discontent. But this is what the book of Colossians tells us in the first verse of the third chapter. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections, your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Amen. And so let me talk to you for the next few moments about defining discontent this week. Lord, I pray that you help us and I thank you for your anointed word. I pray, God, that you would speak to us and that you would uh, anoint us and baptize us with your spirit. And I thank you, God, that your word is anointed and that we find life in it. And thy word is a lamp into my feet and light into my path, God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would help us to understand this. Help us, God, to respond to it and to relate to it, God, and to demonstrate it in our life that we understand contentment in you and the purpose that you have for us in our life. God, I pray that you baptize us and anoint us this day. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Um, seek those things. He said, seek those things which are above. Those, those were the words. Now understand this. This is important to look at. Seek those things which are above. Those were the words of one who once had vision, then by divine design lost that vision, and then was given back his sight, yet with greater clarity than what was ever before. For it wasn't just, now understand this, it wasn't just about the landscape of life that, that he would see after his vision was restored. It, it was something more, something beyond what could be touched, tasted, or, or, or seen. It was, it was the eternal. He had vision for the eternal, uh, the fullness of God, his plan, his purpose. So it would be wise. It would seem reasonable to me, as a matter of fact, for us to take note and to listen up to someone who had sight, then lost it, and then regained it physically, even better when they say to seek those things. It would seem reasonable to me if someone who had lost their sight by divine design was blinded, then given back the sight, if that person who was physically had that taken from them, it would seem reasonable to me to listen, especially also when someone said to seek something. 
the things that are above, heavenly things, spiritual things in other words, eternal things, those things, he said, seek those things that are above. Paul said to set your affection on things above, not things on the earth. For if we are risen with Christ, then we are dead to the flesh. Our life is hid with him in Christ. And then he said that all important statement there in that fourth verse, uh, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then you also shall appear with him in glory. Christ now look at this, break it down. Christ who is our life. There is the key. That's the answer. It's the hinge on which all else turns. Jesus is to be our life. He is to be our everything. Everything turns on that hinge. Everything, everything is built on that knowledge. Jesus Christ, he is our life. Not, not job, not accolades of man, not degrees, not accumulation of wealth, not all the things that we think, not hobbies and interests. No, Christ who is our life. That is our identification. That's where all things begin. Everything is founded from that. Life, life and resurrection power, yes, we know that. That's the, what this verse is implying as well. But as well, our life, all, all encompassing, all sufficient, it, all about it, uh, all decisions, all choices, directions, desires, hopes, dreams, joys, sorrows, uh, present, future, our life, everything, everything in, in, is found in Jesus. Everything is built from there. Too many too often get it the other way around. Um, uh, our life is so many other things than God and his will and his way. And so we, we reverse it, if you would. Christ is there. God is there. He is in the orbit of it all, a, a piece, a part of it uh, referenced and, and reached to when needed, but, but not at the center of it all. And, and many live their life in, in that thinking or in that process of living. Uh, yeah, he's there. Uh, yes, he's an appendage, if you would. He's an elective in some cases. Um, and, and so he's in the orbit of our life, but he's not, he's not the hub of it. He's not the central focus of it. So many make choices, decisions in life, choosing what pleases their flesh or, 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 or what friend or family may want or do or, or what the word and, and, and world and its ways expect. And so we, we do that. We follow family. We follow uh, the world. We follow the job. We follow this. We follow that. Uh, and our life revolves around that instead of revolving around God. Uh, but neglect to put God at the center of it all, the place where all that should matter would be based and, and decided from. And, and then when people do that, when that's happened, when that's followed, people begin to wonder why they arrive at places of life that leave them discontent. And they wonder why they're disappointed and, and why they, they ultimately become disillusioned. Because when we become discontent, everybody hear this, when we become discontent, we will ultimately be disappointed and it will ultimately lead to, to being just simply disillusioned. Uh, we'll have no purpose. We'll have no reason. We'll see, we don't see the, the, the hand of God at work in our life and why it's important for the hand of God to be at work. Discontentment. I feel very strongly about this. Discontentment can be one of the most debilitating and destructive things and places in our life when it is not defined correctly. Every one of us now, everybody get this uh, before we go any further, all of us are going to go through seasons and moments of discontent. It is an inevitable fact of life. And it is often just that. It is often a season of discontent. As a matter of fact, I think somebody started a book that way. Who was that? Was that Dickens? Uh, in the season of our discontent. Um, we all go through seasons of, of, of discontent. We all go through um, episodes, moments, if you would, where we, we feel unsettled. Where we feel like, you know, the puzzle just isn't fitting together right. It's, we're, we're having to force, and, and all of a sudden we, we wonder, okay, what do I need to do differently? It could be that we don't do anything differently. 
because we have to understand the season of where we're at and what's taking place. Uh, Too many have stepped out of the will of God, gone against his word. Now understand this, gone against his word and sacrificed accountability and made choices that had lasting and sometimes eternal consequences, all because they were simply discontent and did not define it correctly in the spirit and instead let that discontent be the thing that ruled their life. Even when we become discontent, we cannot let discontentment be the thing that rules our life because that will fluctuate, that will, that will move. Discontent can be moved and motivated by the way you're feeling today or emotions in your life or something that didn't go right. You had a bad hair day or you got a bad hair season or whatever that might be. You, you can't base life choices It is especially important that we don't make life choices when we are discontent. Because it could be that that temporary moment, that season that we are feeling it, by making a choice in that temporary season could have an eternal consequence. Um, You would think that that we would be more happy in in our country, in our culture. You would think that we would be more happy, more satisfied, more fulfilled than ever before, at least more than, uh, than any time before. She would think that, at least by, our, by who we are, due to all the modern conveniences and betterment of life and technology and all the things that we're blessed with. You'd think that everybody would be happy around us, right? Uh, you'd think we all in this room would just, you know, just be, it'd be all cupcakes out there on the table and happy rainbows everywhere all the time. But we are not. Happiness and peace is, is waning in the life of many, and many are constantly discontent, even though they have more than they've ever had, even, more, even though that more is more available than ever has been. Uh, people are always looking for more or, or, or for change. People are constantly wanting change or, 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 or what is, uh, whatever it is they think that they have to have. And, and I'm not going to talk about this this week, but I'll just briefly throw it out there um, and we'll get a little more into it next week. Uh, we, are, we are schooled in that way, if not verbally, sometimes silently, because we are taught that everything is disposable. And we can just throw it away so we can get something new. And so because we can throw it away or we can change or we can do this, or we can go here and go that. And uh, we can get something that's satisfying our palate for the day and drive down the road and find something else for the palate the next day. And so because we have that mentality, we think we'll just move through this discontentment. But sometimes it is the will of God for us to understand that we are in the season and the place that we are in, in our spirit and our life, because God needs us to see something that we could not have seen or received or responded to otherwise. Um, people are not happy. There's a report called the, and you can look this up online if you want, and don't do it right now, just stay with me if you would, please. Uh, we used to not have to qualify that, but we have to qualify that. Wait till, wait till later, get on Google, okay? Um, there's a report called the World Happiness Report. Anybody ever heard of it? The World Happiness Report. Um, Brother Cooper, in the years 2013 to 15, I only went back that far <coughs> and looked at it, and I've heard about this report and read about it through the years. And there's some that's more isolated for the United States, but this is the World Happiness Report, okay? So this is taking pretty much every country that's modernized and some that's not into consideration. In the years 2013 to 15, um, the United States was ranked 13th in the world. At, at, on the World Happiness Report. Now, we are one of the most modernized countries in the world as far as having everything, having a McDonald's on every block and uh, a microwave in every home, a TV and everything we want. So uh, you have to look at it in that light and some of these things. So in 2013 to 15, we were ranked around their average about the 13th in the world in regards to happiness. Uh, there were now and many things uh, used to come at this conclusion, crime, wealth, 
uh, health, volunteerism. So it's not just one isolated. It's just look and say, well, they look happy or they don't look happy. There's a lot of variables that are put in the scale to weigh this out in uh, people's lives. In 2017, so 2013 to 15, we were about 13th in the world. In 2017, we dropped to 14th. In 2018, we were ranked 18th. In 2019, we were ranked 19th. Uh, Americans are becoming less and less and less happy. And, and I know we all we're probably all sitting here thinking, well, that's, I know why, and I know that person, and yeah, and I know that's going on. And so we've got our mindset that that's why everybody's not happy. No, nah, there's a lot more to it than that. Because we just can't look at the surface and think, well, it's all just about surface things. There is a heart problem. There's a soul problem. There's a spirit problem at the depth of it. With the advent of the internet, information is more readily available to us. We are better informed, but we are still not content. Even though we have everything at our disposal virtually, we have information quickly at hand, we are still not content. Social media um, makes us more connected, but yet disconnected. Uh, even somewhat dysfunctional. Uh, with our young adults in here today, young marrieds, especially so, there's a trending now taking place. Most young adults, most young marrieds are no longer on Facebook. Mostly Facebook is now inhabited, if you would, by older people. Are you guys on Facebook? You're not on Facebook? Facebook, Facebook, you're on Facebook, you're on Facebook, you, Facebook. Um, it has been declining. Facebook is more, more about older generation now on Facebook. Or what are you laughing about? Are you still on Facebook? I'm on Facebook. Are you? Not okay. Okay. But you're now part of the older generation. I want you to know Social Security is just right around the corner for you. All right. No, I'm just kidding. And so, um, and, uh, so uh, it's changing. Uh, you guys are probably on Instagram, right? Yep. Are you all on Instagram? Okay. Uh, Instagram, probably not on Twitter. Are you on Twitter? You two, you three on Twitter? You? No? Okay. And so it's been changing because it used to be Facebook was all young. You guys on Facebook over here? You guys? I know you are. You're not? No. I'm not. Halfway? You're a half, you're, you're one of those, you creep on Sandy's account. Is that it? Okay. I understand. Okay. I understand. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so, um, so all this is, this is changing and, and, and the problem in it is, is that um, social media often, ha because it was, we didn't deal with this. I never talked about social media 20 years ago because it wasn't there. The internet, it wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal then, but it is a big now, big deal now. It has changed the way we communicate. It has changed relationship style. It has disconnected us instead of connecting us. And, and, and social media often are for our friendships and sometimes relationships are only with a screen that we hide behind. It is no longer personal. And there's been countless books, I've read some of them, being written about this, how it is affecting our personality, our communication, our relationships with one another. And, and, and because of that, often social media feeds discontent for it, for it makes us feel that we're just, we're just not enough because we look at a screen or we look at a picture uh, and, and we feel like we're not popular. We feel like we're missing out. Uh, we, we feel like we're not included. It portrays life through filters and, and staged pictures that make us feel like that we're just not good enough or that we don't have it together like they do. And, and it becomes a, a substitute for real relationships. And we, can't, we can talk to a screen, but we can't talk to one another. We don't know how to go to dinner and lay our phones down and not engage. Huh? 
Am I, is this true? And, and, and the problem in it is it's, it's, it's kind of, it's bent us to where we look at this stage picture and everybody's perfect and smiling, but you don't see right outside the frame, the house is a mess. Huh? The kids are hanging off the chandeliers and barely surviving. If really, if, if we seen what was outside the picture frame, uh, some folks would be in jail probably. Uh, but that's, and, but what we do and the problem in it is, is, is that I look at you and you look at me and we see each other and we think, why wasn't I invited? Why didn't they, why didn't they ask me to go along? Why did, how, how come they have that and I don't have that? How did they afford that? Mm, that's the truth. And all of a sudden we get this discontent churning up within us and we think we're not, we don't have it together and we've not arrived. And, and so the appetite of our carnal nature tries to judge itself against all of that which is unrealistic. And so we try to catch up and, and keep up and all of a sudden debt happens because we got to keep up with that. And a new discontent happens because of that. And we think that, uh, we think that it has to be like that and, and pretty soon discouragement begins to follow and we become dysfunctional. And it's all because we're just discontent and we don't know what to do. And we think everybody and everything else has the answer. If I could just be that, if I could just go there, if I could just do that. And... Uh, we find out that when we get there, it doesn't last. And it's not all that it was cracked up to be. A few years back, I, I, I watched the San Antonio Spurs. Anybody else like the Spurs? I, I, basketball? No? Okay. I'm the only ungodly one. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that over there. Um, Ethan. Um, San Antonio Spurs. Uh, I, I, Cameron had to sing at a wedding down in Texas a couple years back. And, and uh, so I said, I'm going to go because I want to go see the Alamo. Anybody ever seen pictures of the Alamo? Anybody ever seen the Alamo? Have you? Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, you know, on, on TV, the Alamo is massive. I'm thinking, I am going to be overwhelmed. I walked up to the Alamo and I looked around and, and I thought, did I miss it? And you know, my first thought was there was a Texas Ranger standing out there in front of it. And instead of wanting to take a picture of the Alamo, I, I told Cameron, I said, here, get a picture of me with the Texas Ranger. I, I, I wanted the outfit, you know, the whole deal. And so it was so underwhelming. Uh, be, and, and that's the way we are. We, we get there and we're underwhelmed. We're not overwhelmed. We buy into the lies. We buy into the pictures. We buy into the life and the lifestyle. And we think, if I could just be that, I'm going to be overwhelmed. No, you're underwhelmed. It's disappointing. You get there and it doesn't satisfy uh, it, now, but, but let me say this. It, it would be unwise to blame all of our discontent on social media and the internet and all those things. It's, it would be unwise to blame it on that because it's not all that. It's so much more than that. It, those things can be used for tools of good. And you know we're here, we're, we're on social medias here at the church and advertise and, and, and try to communicate on those platforms. Uh, it's so it, it's, it's so much more than that. So much more is feeding our discontent in our life right now. So much is putting into us that we just, we just get these places and we wonder what's wrong. First of all, I will tell you, and I'm not going to go into this today. One of the reasons why we are discontent in this world, because we are not meant for this world. You want to know why you feel discontent? Because you were never meant to stay here. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. 
My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Come on, that's us. We are pilgrims in the progress here. We are passing through this life. You were never meant to stay here. Hmm. In truth, most often, discontent. Everybody hear me right now. And this is where I want to get to today. Uh, Most often, discontent is a result of what is lacking spiritually in our lives. That is usually what's wrong. If you would, please, this next slide. Um, It is our nature. It's the nature of our flesh to attempt to satisfy what is missing spiritually with physical satisfactions and substitutes. And this is what I want to help us understand today. Uh, We are spiritual creatures. It's, It's the most real thing and relevant thing in our life, more real than your flesh. The greater reality is your spirit, greater than your flesh. Yet it is often, our spirit is often the most neglected area of our life. We feed the flesh and we starve the soul. We give the flesh what it wants. We find ways to satisfy it even when it's not convenient or or it may cost us dearly if we satisfy it because we don't want to tell our flesh no and we don't want to be told no. We don't want somebody looking at us and say, you can't have that. What's your kids do? Some of you parents, when your kids were little, you looked at them, you said, no. What'd they do? They'd reach their hand staring at you. Back to it, right? You remember? No, don't you do that. And they... And they try to grab it. Why? Because it's just the inherent fallen nature within us all. We don't want to be told no. We still, through tears, we will still reach for it. Trying to satisfy our flesh. But when it comes to the spirit, our soul, we often starve it. We'll say yes to the flesh, but no to the spirit. And we neglect to submit to God and, and we go against his word and we fill this void. We try to fill this void in our life wanting something more. So we try to satisfy it with fleshly things that will never satisfy We'll never do it. We buy, everybody stick with me on this point right here because I don't want you to get lost when I start talking about this uh, because there can be right in this, but we have to understand the source if it is wrong. We buy, we get, we go, we keep busy. Don't slow down, don't be quiet. I talked to somebody the other night. We talked about, we talked about how we're, we're not good at being quiet. We struggle with quietness. Yes, we do. You say, well, no, I really love it. We struggle with stopping and just listening to God. And so we buy, we get, we go, we do, we keep busy, we, we buy a new car, we get a new home, a new bass boat, a new wife, a new husband, a degree, a new hobby, whatever it is that just satisfies, that just satisfies, tries to satisfy the discontent. Just let me get it. Let me keep busy. If I keep busy, I don't have to stop and deal with really what's missing. If I can keep just getting, I don't have to stop and talk about what I need to really do in my life to get fixed what's broken in my life. Uh, that's us. That is us. Come on. That's not just out in the world. That's us here in the church. We struggle with these things because we're caught in the same cyclic nature that the world is often caught in, in its busyness and in its trying to satisfy what is missing within the flesh. We will never satisfy spiritual things with physical satisfactions. We will never get enough. We will never be enough. We will never do enough. We will never have enough. We can, and I'm not saying it's all wrong. It can have its place and it have, have its right in our life. But when it becomes something that robs God from the glory that is due to him and it is not surrendered to him and submitted to him through his word and his will, then I can tell you, then it becomes wrong. Amen. Um, those things uh, of the world and this flesh will never bring contentment and happiness. They were never meant to. If you would look at this, Proverbs. 
The wise man said it this way, the full soul loatheth and honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. We get filled with so many things uh, trying to find contentment, but nothing satisfies because we are so filled with the wrong things. <clears throat> you, ever, you ever ate a, something during the day and you knew that you had a big meal coming up, uh, you're going out with somebody, special meal, but for some reason you thought you had to have I don't know what, the, the new bean burger at, at Burger King, which just sounds terrible to me. But um, you, you, you want to, you ate bigger, and then you get there at the meal, and, and they prepared this nice meal, and, and, or you've gone out, and you're just not hungry. And you make yourself eat, but you're not satisfied. You don't do that? I'm the only one. That's why I'm overweight. But... <laughs> It's, it's kind of the same process. We're full of so many things that we don't understand the sweet things of God. But if we are hungry spiritually, it doesn't matter what God gives us. Every bitter thing becomes sweet. We want to hear the word. We want to be preached to. We want to be taught the word. We want to hear about it. Tell me about it. I've got to be saved. It's preach to me. Speak to me. Teach to me. I've got to be saved. Let me hear where I'm wrong. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want, I want to hear a I want to hear the preach word of God that will look at me and tell me, come on, you've got to change your way. You, gotta, you, can't, you can't do that. If you, even if you're discontent, don't do it because it may cause you to be lost. I want to be preached to and taught to about these things. Um, we get so filled with so many things trying to find contentment, but nothing satisfies because we are so filled with wrong things. It first must be understood that, that we all have times of discontent, seasons of discontent. And those seasons often come and they go. And that's, that's, that's important to understand and must not be the thing that leads us out of the will of God to go to wrong choices. Young adults, hear me. You, you should not make decisions when you are in seasons of discontent because those choices that right then seem to be the thing that satisfy could cause eternal consequences as life goes on. And we have to be wise to know when we come to the understanding that our life is to be found and focused in God, it changes everything. When we find out that our life is Christ, everything is built from our life in Christ. Look at this. Only pride uh, cometh contention, uh, uh, but, with, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Look at the word contention. What is found within the word contention? Content. Uh, the opposite of content is contention. Uh, look deeper at it. It's defining. The result of pride is contention. The result of pride is contention, discontent. The struggle of being content, uh, it, it comes against a competition, argument, debate, conflict, confrontation, whatever it might be, is often born out of our own pride. Isn't that the truth in our world? Look around. Isn't that the way it is? Often when we become discontent is when we are trying to satisfy our just prideful nature about what we think and what we want. Uh, our own way of doing things, our own way of thinking. We are right and we justify ourselves because we deserve it. We deserve it and we think we know better. At some point, if we're going to be content, everybody say amen. At some point, if we're going to be content, we're going to have to put our pride on the altar and accept that God's way is always right. If we're going to find contentment, at some point, the pride has to be put on the altar and we're just going to have to accept the fact. We're just going to have to come to the understanding that God's way is always right. Um, we have to... We have to follow after that. It's, it's not the will of God for you and I to live in a constant state of conflict and confusion. I want somebody to hear me on this. 
It is not God's will that you live in a constant state of confusion and conflict in your life. He does not dwell in confusion. He is not the author of confusion. God, I'm going to keep repeating this to make sure that we get it. God is not the author of confusion. He is not wanting you to constantly live confused and in conflict. God does not want that. He wants you to be content, to be at peace. Because contentment is not defined by having everything that we want. Contentment is, fi- is found in an understanding we have everything that we need. Um, look at this. Uh, next uh, Not that I speak in respect of, of want, for I have learned in, in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now, I, I'm talking about spiritual things here today and, and, and in relation to physical things. And, and I recognize we all have to make changes in our life. And I recognize we all have to do things in our life that are important and that are needful. But I also understand that sometimes we, uh, we don't define them correctly and we don't look at them. And, and we're not honest with ourselves as to what's going on. And, and I think we have to understand this. So when, when you look at this particular scripture, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Contentment is a learned attribute. Now you're going to hear me talk about this next week as well again, uh, because I, 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 think it's, I think it's important for us to understand what Paul was saying here. Contentment is a learned attribute. We learn to be content. You've heard me talk about this before. Um, Paul was not saying that it was always what he wanted. He wasn't saying that it, was, that it was always the way that he wanted it to be. It was not. He didn't say that it was always easy or convenient. No doubt. We recognize that. If there is learning, if there was learning in the life of Paul, if there is learning in our life, then there were lessons that were passed and failed. So if I'm learning, everybody go back to your days of general math. Thank God for Mrs. Conard and general math at, at uh, Ellettsville. I barely made it. I tell people, I was, God didn't make me good at math because he just knew I'd be too powerful. But um, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't like math. It wasn't my, wasn't my cup of tea. Uh, and, but I remember going through math and some days I'd pass and many days I would fail. But she was, anybody miss, remember Mrs. Connor, the Connor family? Yeah, okay. But she was determined to teach me math and I was determined to pass that grade. And so I just would learn, I'd pass a test, I'd fail a test, I'd pass a test. You know how it goes. I was learning. If Paul was saying that he learned to be content, that means there were times that he didn't pass a test. There were times that he wasn't content. And there were times that he learned, I got to be content in the place I am. As a matter of fact, in one other particular passage, he said there were necessities that he had to go through. There were things he just had to deal with. There's going to be things we have to deal with. Any, any gray-headed saint in the house today agree with me on that? There's going to be things you just got to deal with. You got you to buckle down. You got to decide it's going to be tough. And you got to lower your head and keep on plowing. And you get to the end of the field and you look back and you, and you look at the hopefully straight line and not the crooked line that you just plowed. And you realize that you planted. And one day there's going to be a harvest. And when you eat the fruit, you're thankful that you planted back then. The hard work pays off. The day of getting up and just doing what you got to do and knowing that you got to do it and not running away from it because we have a mentality. We have a mentality that is plaguing the world and plaguing the church. If I don't like it, if if I don't like what the boss is saying or I don't like what this is saying, I I, I just got to run. I got to flee. I got to get away from the stress. Life is filled with with stress. It's part of it. 
But you have a God who is on your side working all things together for your good. Hang on. He's not going to leave you or abandon. We'll talk about this next week. He's not going to leave you. It may be difficult. You may be in a storm, but a storm doesn't last forever. You might be in a season. It may be a long season, but it will come to an end. You got to keep planting. You got to keep plowing because one day you're going to reap if you faint not. Amen. It's only in that process that we can come to the conclusion. And I am ending now that God's way is right. And what he has for us is the best. It's only through the process of learning. We learn to be content. Now, again, I'm going to go back and, and, and make an appendage on this. And I want to remind me, we are, we are not to remain content in a confusing situation. Don't, don't mix those two. We are, because God is not the author of confusion. And so we have to understand if, if God is in, if we, if God's in it, there's a purpose for it. If there's confusion in it, it could be the enemy and you cannot be content dealing with that. There's sometimes I look at people hearing, this is tough, but there are sometimes I will look at people and I will look at them and say, I'm, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to enter into that. I'm not going to agree with that. Because when I agree with that, the Bible says you don't, you don't say bless God to everybody. Everybody remember that scripture? You don't pat everybody on the back and say, well, bless you. I don't do that. Because then we become a partaker of their evil deeds. So we don't put our arm around everybody and everything and say, hey, it's going to be okay. And God bless you. And because there are times that you've got to draw a line in your life when it is confusion and recognize it is not of God. And, and, and you have to say, no more. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to put my approval on it. Come on. Because what happens then when you cross that threshold, when we decide we're going to step over into that and come to agreement, then we find our life becoming a party to it and we become discontent. And what the enemy's trying to pull us into, come on, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You got to make up your mind. Sometimes you got to get uh, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You got to get in the face of the enemy and remind him that God is for me. Amen. And I'm going to be okay because I'm going to take the stand on that side, which is right. Praise God. Everybody okay? I wasn't in the notes, but we're, we're still moving here. Um, look at this last scripture and I'm, I'm done. Uh, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Our contentment is not to be measured by the means of man. We do not measure contentment by what man says is contentment. It's not found in wealth or achievement or accolades of man or the pat on the back. It's, it is found in God. It is found in godliness. Um, it is not found in comparison. Comparison, everybody. The Bible says, be careful that you don't compare yourselves among yourselves. Anybody remember that scripture? Don't, don't start comparing yourselves among yourselves because if you do that, you're going to devour one another. We, if we start looking at one another, well, she's this and I'm that and I'm not that and she isn't that, we start devouring. That's why it's important that we're always looking for lost souls that need Jesus Christ. Because if all we do is look at one another on every Sunday, we'll start chewing on each other. Come on, I'm, I'm going to wait on an amen on that one. And so we have to understand that godliness with contentment, that's great gain. It's not what the world has or man has or another has. No. Your frustrations in life, my frustrations in life, uh, they can seem to satisfy or get fixed by so many things. But it could be that we are measuring our life in respect to the world and others and what our flesh want, keeps wanting. We can't keep measuring our life and saying, well, that's, if I get there, I'm going to be content. No, you may never get there and it may not be contentment when you get there. When really what we need to gain, the answer is very simple. What we really need to gain is God. More of God. 
And then you're going to find contentment than before that seemed to elude you. There is one more scripture, and I apologize for saying that was the last one. If you would, this last scripture, and I think it is the last one. Um, But seek ye first. You knew I was going to go to this sooner or later, uh, and we'll echo it again next week. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all, everybody say all, all these things, everything that we need will be added unto us. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all the other things are added. Therein lies the first step. So that's where I'm going to end today. There's the first step. If you want to be content in your life, if you want to find contentment in everything around you, and maybe you're in a place right now to where you are discontent, don't do anything that would cost you your soul. Don't change anything till you understand what God is trying to lead you to. And the first thing that needs to be done is to seek the kingdom of God. Seek him first. His righteousness, his will. Start praying for that. And when we start praying for God to give us a greater clarity of the vision of his kingdom, because God is wanting to work all things together for your good. You and I were created by him and for him, and without him was not anything made, and we were created for his pleasure. So that tells me that God has a plan for my life and your life, and I am not meant to, to, to be discontent. I will have discontentment, but God wants me to be fulfilled. He wants me to be satisfied. And so the thing that we need to pray for first, so this week I'm asking you, as we walk into next week, that you would pray that God would help you to seek his kingdom and to see his kingdom and his will and his righteousness in your life. I believe in this. Father, I pray that you help us today. Help us to understand, God, that when we go through seasons of discontent, that it could be your hand at work, but yet it also could be our flesh at want. And so I pray... God, in your wisdom, that we would know and we would be submitted to it and we would be mindful of the word and be obedient to it and we would seek your kingdom first and we would learn to be content in the state that you have us in, to not move, to not change, to not, to not be the thing that the world wants us to be or to be uh, what others think that we should be, but to be what you want us to be, God, and to do what you want us to do and help us to be prayerful about this and convicted and ultimately convinced about it, God. And so I pray for everyone in this place today. Help us to please you in our life, Lord and to understand that godliness with contentment, that's great gain. We love you. In Jesus' name, would you stand to your feet and clap your hands to God in praise and give him glory and honor? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I always say this, and I believe this. I, I want you to shake somebody's hand here in a minute. I want you to walk to somebody that you don't know and introduce yourself to them or your brothers and sisters around this place. You know what's more important than your car, your home, or your bank account, or anybody out, anything out there? It's these people around you right now. God's blessed you with friends and family and people that love you. And I want everybody to know in this church that we are for one another. We're not against anybody. We are for one another. Amen? We're going to make it to heaven together. I love you all. Greet one another in Jesus' name. Amen. Looking forward to the 11 o'clock service. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. We hope that this message is a supplement to your spiritual life and that you're encouraged to get plugged into your local church. Let us know what you think by rating, commenting, and subscribing. 